Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. I am James McSorley and due to creative differences, I am not joined by Mark Schofield. I am joined instead by Mendel Optinorth. Mendel, how's it going? Going pretty good. It's been uh, it's always we- tough to have a day after traveling and having to do a bunch of stuff for university, but it's good to be here. Nice. Thanks for being here. Uh, the real reason Mark is not here is because him and his wife have had a baby. So everyone who follows us on social media will probably have seen that already. And yeah, you a couple of you have sent messages in and congratulated him and them and whatever. And that's super cool. And yeah, I just want to be on record congratulating him. Mostly Gabby. Gabby did most of the work. I uh, hope Mark's doing at least half of the work currently, but wanted to make sure he got to not miss any of the important stuff of being a dad in the early days just because he was talking to me and you guys about basketball so (laughs) don't know how long that's gonna last but he's welcome back whenever he wants slash mark if you're listening (laughs) you probably think that we like pushed you into taking a break but yeah um yeah so mendel is going to help us break down a weird weekend of games um so obviously there were no league um, games on in Spain or Germany that we normally talk about but there was a Five Nations Cup in Madrid and there were also games between the Australian German and Japanese men's teams and on the women's side it was Germany and the Netherlands if I'm right Mendel can you confirm or I, I can confirm that those games happened I don't know what else happened yeah, I tried to find stats. They weren't streamed, uh, mostly because I think, if I'm correct, Yannick just kind of pulled it together pretty much on his own, which is yeah, that's maybe what I not heard true. as well. I think they played in all all separate jerseys of just of different club teams, which is amazing. That's hilarious. At one point, they were playing. Uh, I saw on Ayaka's story. That's about as much video I got from these. But I saw at one point they were playing in white, and uh, CJ was playing in red. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is just like. Uh, Hilarious, but yeah, the fact that they pulled that together is unbelievable. But before we get started, Mendel, do you have anything to say for the moustache? Because we had a lot of people writing in asking about it. Um. Well, it started when my teammate, Quinton something, was trying uh, to grow a moustache for, I think, what people call Movember. Oh, yeah. Um. I have never uh, before... Uh, joined Movember, but Quinton was was doing it, um, and he was trying to convince some of his teammates to uh, to uh, join him. And well, I thought about it for a little bit, and I discussed it with some teammates, and then I was like, "Well, there's no reason really to do it. It's kind of stupid. I don't think it looks well. It looks good." But then I was like, "Sometimes you just got to make the decision that gets you the best story afterwards." So I went and shaved my beard and left my mustache. Sure. I guess that's the thing. Like, it's not like you were growing mustache from clean, like a clean shave, like Quinton was, I imagine. Um, I forgot it was Movember yeah. when I saw him with the mustache. I was like, oh, that's 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 new. Um, but There's actually an argument to be made. Like, I have had this discussion over the weekend, which is like, did I already have a mustache before I shaved the rest of my beard? Um, yes, I would think so. I would say no, but... Then we also, we like, our team manager has a big old beard and then a mustache with the curly tips. And I do think he has a mustache while yeah. having a beard. But I don't think I had a mustache while I had a beard. 
That's but, so you think it needs to like stick out? I wonder what the difference in hair length. We're gonna get into some weird corners here. Can I just say <laughs> your team manager looks like a picture on a barber of a haircut the barber can't do? Like definitely. definitely. You know, you go into any other barber, any random bad barber like the ones, and it's like pictures on the wall of haircuts they can't do, combs in blue liquid, and <laughs> that's about it. But yeah, I haven't been to the barber in a long time. I couldn't tell you. Fair enough. All right. So, uh, yeah, well defended. I don't know if you needed to defend the mustache, but people wanted to know about it. So I wanted to, I think you needed to defend it because I thought it was ridiculous. But um, <laughs> also your hair was in your eyes on court at one point. Just thought yeah, you, that's thought the, you'd like the, to know. I'm actually going to record a, a promo video for the Europeans on Wednesday, if all goes well. And I was trying to get my friend, who will usually cut my hair, to cut my hair before Wednesday, but they will not be able to. So oh, it's got to be yes. like this. I love that. I love that for the for for the Dutch Federation. That's great. But anyway, should we talk about some basketball? Yes, let's do it. This is not a this is not a facial hair podcast. <laughs> I, I imagine that exists, and it, that's hilarious that it exists. So first game. Of the tournament in Madrid was Spain against France. Um, these stats are all on the uh, bench unit substack. Well, they're all on the Spanish Federation website via there. Like <laughs> their own stats because let's not be ridiculous. So first game was Spain 78-71. And yeah, did you watch this one, Mendel? I watched little bits of it. Um, but we were still traveling by the time that this happened. Um so not not definitely not all of it. Um, yeah, it's uh it's it's fun to like I I like seeing France play. Uh, they have a bunch like they have so many like quite different players that are all quite good. I would say like they they, they all bring different things to the court. Yes. Um, so it's always fun how it how it meshes together or doesn't. Yeah, I, or doesn't. I think that's the interesting thing where it's like they kind of have the thing where it's like, can you get three or four of your best players on the floor at once points wise, yeah. or also just like everyone needs the ball wise. Um, Cause obviously you've got Alexi Ramonet and uh, Nico Jovancer who both kind of want or need the ball in their hands at any given point. Um, but I, I think, I think it's interesting to watch those guys play off each other and then, uh, Lou Hardwell, who plays in God, I've just completely blanked. He plays at Rangers. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, plays in Wiesbaden. Um, I love watching him play because he he's he's a gunner. He only took four shots in this game. Oh no, six. There you go. Um, in fifteen minutes, which isn't bad, but there's occasionally like I feel like there are streaks where if you're like this guy took six shots in a full in a full game, you could convince me that he took five in a row. You know what I mean? Definitely, definitely. Which is a lot of fun to watch. But um story of this big story of this game was Amadou Beaston. Nine from twelve, finished yeah. with eighteen points. Um maybe yeah. one thing to address uh, talking about this game is that like Spain and France came with pretty like complete selections. Like the, the groups were pretty close to how they were at Euros uh, a year ago. Yeah. Um and so were Poland and, and the Netherlands as well. But uh, your team wasn't. So that's that's something to keep in mind while uh, discussing these games. 
Yes, that's something I will bring up when we talk about us losing, and only when I talk about us losing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, Spain, I think this is there. Well, everyone brought Spain and GB both brought more than 12 is the other thing. So yeah, I don't know, like this game, for example, Jordi Ruiz wasn't playing, so like that's not their full 12. Um, yeah. Binjordi was also not in this game, and mm-hmm. turns out he's um, I say turns out he's unbelievable. He kind of started showing people things from obviously junior worlds and then going back to Europeans last year where people were like, oh, is this the future? How many years is it going to mm-hmm. be until he takes over? And yeah, apparently that's happened. <laughs> he was the MVP of this tournament. But yeah, this was this was a pretty close game for a, a long time. And then I don't know. It's being pulled away in the end. So yeah, we will move on unless you've got anything else fun to talk about in this game. No, I think there's some other things will come up about Spain later, but uh, let's move on for now. Yes. Uh, next game, France again, 72, GB 78. Can I just say it's hilarious that Spain, uh, France played three of the first four games. <laughs> like That is weird. That's really badly. I don't know if it's badly put together or whatever, but like that's the sort of schedule that I feel like we would complain about always getting, and we absolutely didn't, obviously. Yes. Um, but, they also arrived on Wednesday in Madrid, so maybe that is part of it. Oh, maybe. Yeah, they. Yeah, they had a couple. So did we. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. I guess somebody like five team tournament. I guess somebody has to get a slightly worse schedule. Like I, but I was really surprised. I thought ours was lovely the whole way through, but like yeah, even we played Spain on Saturday too. night and they played the game previous to that as well and just had to like sit around, which I thought was weird. Like I always, I was kind of assumed the home team's going to look after themselves in that regard, but yeah. I don't know. But anyway, moving on uh, to that game, Jack Perry top scored for us, but we had um, one, two, three, four um, double figures scores. This game, yeah. got really like this got this this game got going really early it was 26 20 in the first quarter um yeah that was kyle, fun kyle with three threes in the beginning to get us going which was needed at the time because we had a little minute of i'm going to talk about him a lot but kind of not being able to stop uh nigo's runs there seven from mm-hmm. 17 for 14 points you could have told me he had 20 25 and i probably would have believed you because yeah. that's kind of, I don't know, do you ever have something like this where it just feels like someone's absolutely killing you just because, like, it might be every time you're near him or every time, like, they're efficient but quietly, but he wasn't even that efficient in the end, so I don't know what it was. Maybe it just felt like... Yeah, it is early. kind of... It kind of is what happens to Bandura sometimes. We You and Mark spoke about it before, where he just he might be the, the, the shooter that hits the shots that are most against the momentum of the game sometimes. Um, yeah. So I just feel like he's like ba- bailing you out, which just hurts extra, so they, the points count double in your mind. Yeah, that's fair. That's the emotional side of it. That's a good point. I think that's that's it with Fonsera as well, where he'll get to the side of, I'll get to the side of the key behind a big... Like he played a lot of two man game, um, like in a sort of too big power side, and it was like, oh, okay. Like once he gets to the side of the key, we can't stop him because he's so big that he doesn't like. I don't know. There's like three or four players who play 
that played this weekend that were like, eh, why would I dribble off this when I could just shoot it anyway? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he kind of has that, like he's massive and super long and the front of his chair is really long as well. So I feel like you can't yeah. get to his post up. So I think it's one of those where he was seven from 17, but he might've been like four from his first four. So maybe you're kind of projecting into the future going, oh no. Um, but yes. It was fun know. because like... um it was it was interesting for for me as a competitor here, of course, to to see what you guys were starting um, because I knew most of the teams were pretty similar as to how I was used to them. But you guys started, if I'm correct, with uh, Kyle, Greg, uh, Ben, Martin Edwards, and Harry Brown, and Harry, yeah, Harry Brown, yes, um, which is a very fun lineup. Uh, yeah, I was like, it's... yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I like it. We kind of, so we brought sort of, there was a couple of guys left at home for, I, I don't know how the, this being a friendly tournament and it being sort of an opportunity to get people in playing and kind of bring some young guys in led to us having Lee, Phil, Terry, Gaz, Abdi at home. And Simon Brown was meant to be there, but was ill, I think. So mm-hmm. um, couldn't be there either. So we kind of ended up with a lot of young guys, but I say young guys, like we've got two-time Paralympian world champions in there and all sorts of stuff. And um, I felt very weird because I was the fourth oldest in the whole team. Um, And being the fourth oldest in the whole team, if you've like been around the block and done some stuff is all right. But I was like, yeah, fourth oldest on the team and I've kind of (laughs) been here. But yeah, no, I love that five, man. You've got a lot of balance. You've got a lot of handling on the floor. You've got a hell of a lot of shooting, obviously. It's not the biggest, which obviously I think is what got us towards the end of the Spain game, but yeah, like we shot 53% um, and had some unbelievable performances. As I say, Kyle getting us going early, um, Jack Perry going nine from 13, um, top scoring for Mm. us and just being able to have four guys in double figures, having a 19 to 17 and two 13s is pretty special that'll get you there especially if you can stop teams um which i really didn't think we were going to be able to do after the first quarter when france put 20 i thought it was 21 but stats here say 20 um on us but Mm. managed to turn it up and got to a point where we were able to rotate like nearly everyone bar a couple of guys were in double figures minutes as well which is good to see because primarily we were just there to sort of there to try and win obviously but give people some opportunities to play um mm. because we have a bit of a break on account of the world championships not actually being in five days <coughs> yeah Shout out. Know, less of less said about that the better um i love looking through these stats and seeing if there's anything weird or interesting that stick out but um, there was one game game that was by France that was top scored by their rookie Lucas Roa, but it's not, not this one. Maybe it was actually the last one that we forgot to point it out. Um, but it was interesting that they that they brought him because he was kind of the the sub in the in the selection. Like he switched they switched him and uh, Christophe Carrier around to very physically capable threes. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. He was so the was he was like none of us knew who he was, which was interesting. Very, yeah, he very... played for Bordeaux last year when I played in France, um, and I oh, thought okay. he was like a, a a pretty good four or four or five. Turned out he was a, a really really good three. 
Yeah, I was going to say that um, makes a difference. You're like, yeah, he's okay for a four. Ooh, chair looks a bit tall. Oh, yeah, there we go, three. But um, no, he, yeah, it's very seldom that you get 14 guys and no one knows who he is. Yeah. All right. Special. But that's that's uh, proof that nobody cares about France. Yes. Uh, as we like to say here, nobody cares about France. Not really. Anytime we anytime we <laughs> talk negatively about certain leagues, it's really like, please don't make me watch more basketball. All right, Mendel. Next game. Fair Netherlands enough. 69. Poland 77. So, Mendel, did you see much of this game? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, I, I experienced uh, pretty much the whole, uh, the whole, uh, all, all the forty minutes. Um, did you watch it, James? Uh, yeah, I watched at least most of this. Um, so okay, I say at least most of this. Was this the was this the game you guys started three big, or am I? Yeah, we definitely started three big, which is something maybe we can point out about this tournament as well, is that, that there were uh, three teams at least that run uh, lineups with two ones or one or a one and a one five quite often, actually, at this tournament. Yeah. Franz yeah. ran lineups with like Ibrahim and uh, and Audrey, um, and Timal, and, and then we ran lineups with uh, with Frank, Frank de Jong and uh, Yuri van Lier, quite a bench. And then, and then Poland, of course, run uh, run the lineup with the two ones. So that was interesting. Kind of not the direction that I thought the European scene was going, but yeah. But even like you guys had versatility within your like you have several three big lineups. Like you started a different game with two ones, you Ari and Matthijs, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Which is the only game we won, as Ari likes to point out. Yeah, he yeah he he might have mentioned that to me before, um, because yeah, correlation is causation. Um, Definitely might not have been the only game against France, <laughs> <laughs> but um, what was it, what was I going to say here? Were you the only team that didn't have the same starters every? No, no, Spain obviously because they rotated who they had in their team. Never yeah. mind. I, I thought I was onto something there, but that's not true. So. Uh, stats worth pointing out in this one. <laughs> Mendel, you had 27. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I heard that afterwards and I, I actually thought it was a little bit lower. I thought it would have been like 20. Um, but I guess this was the game where I had a half-court shot. Yeah, that's, this is the game where at the end of the third yeah. I, I picked up six free throws and... as well. Like, Yeah, yeah, that's true. So that will, that will get me there. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it was it was fun to be to, to be able to to play this game. And even though I'm not, I haven't been playing high level games uh, on a regular basis this season, I I, I was still able to uh, to contribute. So that was nice. But uh, f- for us, like actually, like Matthijs was was probably like a little bit more special, even because he had 25 points in 21 minutes, which was really really cool to see because it's been a, a little bit since he uh, sees things he's played minutes like that yeah yeah that was great because i think obviously poland have a bit of size but i don't think they have matthias beller's size obviously um there's that thing that we speak we've spoken about a couple of 
episodes ago, well, me and Mark did of like being kind of taller doesn't really matter if you're still not tall enough to actually bother someone. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's a big fella. Um, anything else stick out for you? Yeah, here's an interesting question. Just sort of on the sort of overarching tournament in general, do you guys come mm. to something like this with goals in mind in terms of developing certain things, trying certain lineups? Do you come to win or do you just kind of show yeah. up and play basketball? Yeah, it's a definitely an interesting question. Um, for us, as you can see with different starting lineups as well, like we were definitely here to experiment and to to see how some things that we've been trying in practice uh, were working out uh, in actual games. Um, so I think like we we probably started every quarter with with different lineups and then different like uh, points configurations as well. So um, which is why some games have wildly different uh, results in quarters as well. Like we have quarters where we scored twenty five, and then a quarter where we scored like six, um, which yes. is definitely part due to to just the, the drastic changes, which was which is fine. Um, like that, that we weren't we weren't perceiving that as a problem. But um, but yeah, it's interesting because I was wondering about this, like whether how important it is to win games in a tournament uh, like this. Because obviously, winning, I think winning is good for your development because it just it's good for like team spirit and stuff. Like you just get it, it's it's such a fascinating thing that if you win games, you feel so much better, and if you lose games, even though it's just a like it can be the difference of one shot that, that goes in or misses and. Sometimes I think it's it's the trick to not be make that difference that big as a team to be like yeah okay we play well and we, there's like whether or not that shot goes in doesn't change almost anything about what we should take away from this game. Sure. Um, so I think in theory winning shouldn't be that important at a tournament like this, but in practice it usually probably uh, is more than it more than I want it to be. Yeah, I think. As well, like in general, I'm kind of process focused rather than outcome focused because you that's the thing you can actually control. And I think teams try to be, but also I think, as you say, like getting used to winning isn't a bad idea. And like pushing competitive spirit and whatnot isn't terrible, <laughs> obviously. But I don't know, like you can go in and set goals to do certain things a certain way and do it all right. And then shots just not drop. And at that point, it's like, okay, do you need to go back and do shooting sessions as a national team? Do you push these guys to go and do stuff on their own when you're not when they're not with you? Or then there's a real thing of like, okay, we're not making shots. Are we getting the right ones? But if you kind of do that mental exercise and are getting the shots that you want to, and you're still like you're losing, I don't know. You, I don't, I don't know where that leaves you, but I think. Going to a tournament like this is a real chance to try stuff. And if you're going to put weird lineups out that you haven't tried before and they don't beat international fives that have played together for five mm -hmm. years in a row, like this Polish five, I feel like, has been around for quite a while. Like, I think this has been the same sort of three big Maciek and the other one whose name I forget. Is it Darnikowski? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I actually pulled that out before I looked at the stats. That was impressive. But it is impressive. Yeah. So I think when you're like throwing different lineups out against certain um 
opponents that can obviously like you kind of have to change your expectations but did you guys throw different lineups out based on actually trying to match up with certain opponents or was it like hmm, we need to a little bit line up for 10 minutes a little bit of both um i remember for poland specifically uh that we said ahead of time that maybe the the lineup with the two ones might work well both because it gives us some extra length to punish the relatively uh, smaller polish team and on the defensive side you don't get punished immediately by having two mismatches on the, on the court because they will have two uh, smaller players at the same time as well so uh yeah there were definitely uh, some of those of those matchups that we were trying to uh, to work out um which against this in, in the in the Poland game worked worked out quite well i think uh, the Belarus lineup was Belarus plus minus was plus 16 in a game we lost. So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Belarus is pretty good. <laughs> I'm also just gonna fire questions to you. And if you said if you think we're taking too long, you should tell me because I was wondering, um, if you think if it's that it's a coincidence that the Polish fi- uh, starting five like fits so perfectly to- together, uh, points wise, because like their five best players are also definitely the five players that can add up to 14. Um, well, they've been together for so long that I wonder if it's just kind of melded itself into that. Cause there was a while that they kind of couldn't put their best mm-hmm. on the floor. Like they had four, 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 five, and they could never really obviously put that on the floor with two ones. Um, yeah. when Piot was still playing, he was four or five, right? I'm not. Yeah, he was a four five. So they, yeah. they could run uh four five four three five one one with Bundy, uh Fifi, uh and Piotz, but then they couldn't play Machek. So that, oh that was it. Yeah, sorry. I remember there being a point where I'm like, oh man, if you could just squeeze half a point off here somewhere. Or if you could put this together for a club season. Yeah. Um, but um I wonder if it just comes from having basically that sort of configuration and needing to find a one. But yeah. Um I think it's coincidence, really. Um, coincidence and five years together. Yeah, that will do it probably. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm. I, I definitely think that. Uh, like, if you imagine there comes a, a two-five around who is talented but like doesn't get any minutes because it just doesn't mesh with with the four established top players that are there. Um, I can definitely see someone like that just not developing as well as he as he would have otherwise. So. Yeah, going um, to national team stuff and then only working on lineups that are three big two ones would yeah. probably get you after a certain point. But I don't know. And I always, I kind of wonder if there's a thing with certain countries that have always played a certain way in the sort of short history of wheelchair basketball being broadcast and available for the masses to consume. Like, do you grow up as a certain point player in a country that plays a certain way and just be like, oh man, I'm never gonna do it because I'm not a four mm. or a one. Or it's not really it's not really a thing in any country that has any sort of diversity in play style. But I wonder if you grow up as like a Turkish two five and just think, oh man, I'm gonna have to like get rid of a point here or sit massive. Yeah. But anyway, is it time move to on. move to the next game then? Yes. All right. So the next game was Poland 73, France 72. And I want to skip straight to talking about the fact that Filipski made a game-winning left-handed tilting post-up because what? 
that was ridiculous. Name. I just walked into like I, I I was playing in the game after this, I think, and I was I just finished up changing or whatever. And I walked into that gym and it's like that that I just saw that. That was literally the first thing that I saw. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yeah, because I was sitting on the baseline and we had a couple of the Albacetti guys or the ex Albacetti guy as well, Kyle. And we were sitting around and obviously they've all seen Fifi for a year or two and they all know what he can do. Everyone knows at this point, but all the guys who've like played with him have been like, no, honestly, you go into like you go into training and he just doesn't miss for like a week. Um, but also like worth noting as well that everyone who's ever played with him says he's like the best teammate they've ever had, which is, I think is a lovely thing to point out. Um, but definitely. definitely helps when someone can do something like that because he didn't even, I don't know, like you had Macek to high score for you with 23, which is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. A one five that can go, go off for 23. Uh, he had an 18 in the last game we talked about that I didn't point out. Um, Filipski was 6 from 11 from 2, only 2 from 9 from 3. So they kind of, France kind of kept him, I don't know, Filipski quiet. Like, 18's not quiet, but they kept him quiet-ish to that point. And then yeah. to do that was just unbelievable, but yeah. And there's something really funny, and like we talk about a lot of stuff that happens before you get to this point on this podcast, but something really fun to me about watching two bigs just go back and forward hitting tough shots. Like you just have mm-hmm. uh, Nico Joancer and Filipski uh, just going back and forward hitting mad stuff for a full game. And sometimes I would love to watch them like teams just clear out and let two guys go after each other. Like there should be like a, a three minute clock and a, tight game at some point where you're just like all right eight guys on the sideline let's go that would be that would be cool that that does remind me of the i think it was the bronze final in rio where oscar and terry go at it uh, a little bit yeah but like not not just with the post-ups but with long range as well like it's it's that's that was a, that was a very cool game yeah just bombing uh this was also the game where and this is something that i I want to get your opinion on. There was a point where uh, Sofiane, who was one from five from three, called a horn set and got, uh, I don't remember who the other screen was, but Nico Joancer was up on the elbow setting a screen for him as well. And I was like, you guys are running horns when you guys are combined one from, or two from nine from three. Mm. And I know there's like a, you like some teams want a set in the end in the end game to kind of at least semi guarantee a decent look, but I don't know. Is is horns kind of overvalued in the wheelchair game because it's one of the only sets that we can actually reliably steal from the running game? Because I feel like a lot of teams, um, run, you guys run a lot of high screen case, stuff. You know? Sorry, go on. Not as much anymore. We do it sometimes still. Um, but um, the thing is, the thing with threes is like it is it is so easy. Like it, just, it, it letting them shoot it so obviously behind the double screen, the double screen, and then having them make it, it's just a little bit painful because you're like, I I I, I double dare you, and then they do, and then they make it, and then you're like, fuck, I, I fucked up. So like it's it's kind of just a game of chicken where you you kind of you're kind of just calling someone's bluff 
but it is you, you gotta be really and like it's always there's always a pretty decent chance it's gonna go in like it's not a like basketball technically it's maybe might not be a good look but just like socially psycho psychologically it's just like you'd rather just get out there and make him do something else i guess Uh, yeah, I guess that's the thing where you're like, can we force it to somewhere that isn't just an open shot? I had a conversation with someone about doing something like that at the end of the game. Like there was someone that, it was a game last year, we had decided not to jump a certain person. I don't even remember who it was at this point. And uh, they made a big shot behind a screen near the end of a game. And the conversation I had uh, with the people on our team, someone made the point where they were like, Ah, down the end of the game, I think you have to just force them to try and do something else and something else. And like, it's too easy to just be like, ah, you'll make this or you'll miss this. But yeah. um, also, if you a one point game, if you hit a three, it gives you some distance. Obviously, there's a lot of mm -hmm. um, I've heard people talk about like the maths and the statistics of threes versus twos in certain scenarios. And I'd love to work out the equivalent in the wheelchair game because they're going off like basic efficiency and like average efficiency in the running game in the nba of 30 whatever 35 38 three point looks and not many people actually do that in the wheelchair game but the thing is like someone ran a horn set and missed a three if they make it they probably win this game and we're talking about them being an absolute hero so yeah fair enough yeah make them move make them do something else obviously unless it's an absolute goober but I guess if someone down that down that far down the packing order is calling for a double screen at the end of the game, I'd say I'd say four or fives might have something to say about it. Yeah. Um anything else fun in this game? I don't think so. Um, no. Let's move on to the next one then. Right. Um Is that can I just say Mosler being Mosler being plus ten in a game they lost is unbelievable. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Uh, bu bu I think I think that's an interesting... Uh, I've, I've had a couple of discussions about this this, this weekend, uh, whether or not Dominique Mosler is over or underrated uh, as a player. And obviously, uh, I know this podcast is not uh, the place to uh, to shame to shame people, but so uh, we'll, we'll not call him that, that overrated anyway. But um, I've always been quite a fan of, of Mosler, actually. And, and he just, like, he's one of those players that doesn't look very elegant sometimes just because like his shooting form is like objectively pretty bad like his, he, he is probably one of the highest airball free throw uh frequency that you'll ever see but like he sure. can he can put the ball in the hole if he's yeah man. The basket. he can score like he can score and he is hard to stop sometimes that and especially in transition which is very good for poland because people uh, lots of teams like to press him so yeah, I I think I, I think Mosler's rated. Yeah, I think he's good. I also don't know how people rate him. Like, I think it's pretty hard to guess underrated, overrated because there isn't really a court of public opinion for wheelchair basketball at this point. So I don't. Well, I, yeah, like there's a the little bench bit. units is a, so. Yeah, to like a hundred people a week, and also we give our opinions. We don't get any back. Um, I also would never put a poll up being like, is this guy overrated? <laughs> yes or no? Because I don't know. I'll try not to say negative things about many people here. I try and like, I also think he's just pretty good. He's been like an international quality forward for years. So like you've, you're already winning. <laughs> yes. That but, is true. Yeah. He's pretty good. I don't know how, obviously there are limits to like lack of mobility and he's not, 
gonna ever like create for himself or others like he needs the table set for him but so no. do most people there's like 30 of the guys who don't in the world yeah i i, I sympathize with it <laughs> yeah well that's nearly everyone like teams are lucky if they have one like the best teams in the best international teams in the world have several um but most guys like most guys need someone to do that stuff for them and there's nothing wrong with that because if you had five guys that all wanted to create all the time you would actually probably run into some issues you need you need guys to finish stuff off Mm -hmm. all right should we move on all right all right so next game we we played you yes uh, the netherlands 60 great britain 67 we yeah so what was i going to say this I'll be be honest with you. This didn't feel like only seven for some reason. I don't know. Like I remember looking up the score, and being like, "Oh, I feel like we beat them by more." We didn't, so that's dumb. But well, um, I think we started very well. You did, um, yes. I don't know exactly. Uh, so you guys won the first. We quarter. won the quarter. We lost a couple 16. of quarters here, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You lost two of them. So. Uh, but I think we were ahead by by like seven or eight at some point after like six or seven minutes, and just just like some runs happened, and I was like, "Oh, this is interesting. Let's keep this going." Um, but like you, uh, it's also interesting uh, to point out that actually, like almost all games were pretty close. Like I don't think I think one of them was more than ten points. Yeah, right? like I think we blew Poland out in the Sunday morning, and Poland yes. maybe are. Um, I don't know, like they're kind of old and have been pressed a couple of times by the end of the weekend and early Sunday morning might not be the best time for those guys to play. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I think that was about it. Like even Spain pressed Poland and it was in the teens, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. But yeah, so all the games were pretty close, uh, which as you say, which was, it was cool to see because there's nothing worse than if you like miss a certain game because you're playing or whatever, or you're doing something and you come back and stick it on and it's 24, six in quarter. Yeah. You're like, okay, this is done. My evening's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> but um, how did you, um, what did you guys think like going into this game? Like, had you thought about playing our actual full team or like did you guys know well, at this point you'd seen us but before you were coming did you know that we were weren't all going to be there and does that change yeah we've heard some like when we first started planning we didn't but then like as the weekend came closer we, we started to hear some rumors um so we we really didn't know what to expect but we were pretty sure it was going to be a a good team we were going to play against anyway so uh, oh yeah i think we will always show up with some form of good yeah, that's and and besides that, this team is so varied as well. Again, that it's hard to really game plan against some very specific things. Like obviously, you have some great shooters on the court, so you'll have to be like, okay, priorities. Let's let's make that let's make those guys move uh, when they have the ball in their hands. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's hard to play uh, play against dudes like Kyle and and Greg, who not only shoot the ball that well, but also find each other with skip passes so easily. Like the court becomes so big. Uh, when you have to extend all that that far to both sides all the time. Uh... For sure. That's something that both those guys are amazing at doing. Like, there's such a threat off the catch 
and then you jump them, they're able to put the ball on the floor and skip it that accurately into the pocket of another great shooter that's 30 feet away. Like, yeah, it's a lot of ground to cover. But um, do you guys, when you play a game like this or just coming into a tournament, um, a friendly tournament, is it? I ask people this all the time. I've probably asked you away from this, but are you game planning for yourself more than us? Are you working on what you're going to work on? Are you looking at what we're going to do and trying to play against it at that point? Um, a little bit of both. Um, I would like the the world of wheelchair basketball isn't that big that like working out some good defensive strategies against some of the good teams is going to be worth it. Um, one because the chances that you'll play them at some point in a good tournament are pretty high, and then uh, secondly, there's not that many different like it's not gonna it's gonna be applicable to other situations as well yeah um, wheelchair basketball but I'm, I'm a pick of, and rolls plus <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so i'm a fan of being pretty specific about things uh and and then if, if situations change you could be like well let's play this like how we try to play this guy like how we tried to play this guy but then a little bit more like this i think that's useful yeah um yeah on your side of the ball you top scored again 18 12 for robin um robin was a plus in the plus minus um trying to figure out which lineup of yours was um a plus in the plus minus probably your mids lineup yeah Um, it's hard because we there's so many there's so many games (laughs) yeah i kind of lost track of what happened in what games Um, yeah i didn't go back and rewatch any of these either normally i only play in one of them and then i watch 10 others but yeah i was playing in four of these games so yeah i was playing in this one for a little bit even um yeah that was lineup was the four four three twos and man i love playing with those two twos it's so much fun um yeah. they might not they might not like playing with this too but um yeah it's it's a lot of fun and me getting on the floor with lee fryer is great because he's an absolute wild card <laughs> I think he's I think he's really <laughs> developing. I don't know what what how much you've seen of him this year, but I feel like he's getting to the point that he's kind of like figured out when to use all of the physical ability he has and not he's still young, obviously, but I feel like he's getting to a point where he's really, really starting to affect things. Yeah, I've I've watched some of him in Spain. I watched the some of the game that he played against Vidalit with Murcia. Uh that was a good game for him as well. But uh I, I th- this game it didn't really it didn't come out to me as as him being like he had some sh- some shots behind the the screen on the weak side uh, which is very valuable of course but um, if it didn't feel in this game that he was he was showing what he has had learned in Spain uh, as much as he's as he's doing with Murcia these these weeks. Sure. Sure. Um. Right. Anything else interesting in this game, or should Anything we move on? Else, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, so. think so. All right. Um, what was I going to say? Let's move on. All right. Uh, so the next game was Spain eighty-one fifty-nine Poland. Uh, Mendel, did you see much of this game? Um, I don't remember what happened here. Um, maybe I did. Yeah, you might have done a lot of games. So Spain pressed Poland for a large part of this game. Pinch Ortega went nuts, going eight from twelve, uh, made a three and perfect from the line for twenty-two. 
Amadou had 20. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I watched this game. No, I don't. I don't. I didn't see a lot of pressing go in, in this week. So no, I don't think I saw this. Feels like something you would remember. Yeah. I say like I didn't watch all of this, but every time I flicked it on, they were pressing. They definitely pressed second half. Mm-hmm. At one point, they went um, three threes and two two fives to press, which I thought was cool. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, very very non-Spanish. It felt like well, the three threes is very Spanish. Um, yeah, but. And uh, not having a four on the floor was weird. Um, this was one of a handful of Pinjo Ortega coming out games. <laughs> in a 30. How many of those can you have? Whatever that means. How many of those can you have? I don't know. Um, I guess you have full tournaments. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like he improved since... Um, like, do do you feel like he's improved a lot since Madrid, or was he already this guy in Madrid, but just getting more shine again? Yeah, and more consistent, I would say. Like, he showed glimpses, of course, uh, of what he can do, but there was just he made a like a lot of like tough post ups and and clutch shots uh, down the line in this this weekend. So, uh, I think he's definitely improved. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I think so too. I think. There were little moments of like, oh, this guy's next in Madrid. Like we've spoken about that on here a handful of times. Um, and obviously going to the junior worlds and being as good as he was. Um, but I think this is the first time on like a men's tournament he's played big minutes and been unbelievable for like a full tournament. So yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Good to see. And on the other side, Filipski, um, really efficient um from two. Eight from eleven, yeah, only one say. from ten from three for twenty-four points. Uh just wasn't enough because he didn't really get much from anywhere else. He had Kozarina and Machak with eleven each, but don't think any of the other bigs could handle the pace was kind of the thing that stuck out for me here. The plus minus thing is interesting though, because Mosler was only minus one uh in his twenty-four minutes, while Kozarina was uh, minus 21 in his 17 minutes. So, uh, while scoring, like, Mosla only had four points and Mos- and uh, Cosarina had 11. So, it's definitely not the scoring that it is, but something mm-hmm. was going on. Yeah. This would be the point where if I had done more homework, I would know who was on the floor against them at that point. But I don't know. That. Yeah. That, 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 that will do it. Yeah. Pablo Lavandeira being plus 18 makes me think that their best lineup was Pincho, the three bigs, and Pablo. Yeah. That something might I be. I think that's that. probably true for the whole weekend. Probably. Uh, well, they started Jordy. They can obviously go three threes and a one with a four, but they can also go two threes, a two five, and Danny Sticks, which they started with. But yeah. Yes. That three threes and the one was the killer all weekend. All right, then you guys. Or you could sub sticks again as well for for Andrubia, which is yeah, oh yeah, of underrated. Course. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Like it's one of those where you called him underrated. Sorry, uh, but I have enough like teammates that play for Albacete that all I hear is great things about him all the time. So I was like, is he? I think everyone just knows he's amazing at this point. He's amazing, but also the the thing that people think most amazing is still is like he's got no fingers. How does he do any of this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've said this on the podcast before, but I have a conspiracy theory that 
I'm, I'm not big of a big conspiracy theory guy, but I believe he's got invisible ving- fingers, just like Villavagna has an invisible left hand. Those guys have control that they should not have, and I don't understand it. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I don't get it. Like I've spoken to a lot of people who are like, I just don't understand how he like catches, never mind shoots 48% from 20 feet, it looks like. Yeah. Um, I remember remember the first year we were in Gran Canaria together and he had like 16 or 18 against us. <laughs> oh no, I was yeah. just freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh, can, can we say that he said that Honai told us to jump him on a shooting hand? That was funny. Oh, yes. Um, I forgot that. That's <laughs> hilarious. Um, I, that was the game I played like five minutes. That was great. Um, anyway, right. Moving on. You guys played France in your uh, win of the tournament. Yes. 58-50. Very low scoring game. Um, Very low scoring game. Does this does this say anything about you guys needing to do it on defense? I don't think so. Um, what what does what does this being fifty at fifty tell you, if anything at all? Was it just awful? <laughs> um, yeah, it was a little awful. Like we we were we weren't shooting great. Uh, this tournament, I think the first game there was some ridiculous stat that we shot. We I think we had twenty eight field goals, and so that was the Poland game. Uh, we had twenty eight field goals. 25 of them were in the paint. One of them was my half-court shot. Um, <laughs> one of them was a three by Quinton at the end to, to match Filipski's three. And then one, one of them was a mid-range baseline jumper by Frank. Um, that, those were literally the only points outside of the paint. That is. Um, so we were, we were struggling with our shooting a little bit. Um, I think on their side, like we were... Our main goal was to shut down uh, Jean Serre, and that worked out very well. Like he shot eighteen shots and made four, and I think two of them were in the last five minutes. Um, yeah, so keeping uh, someone at twenty-two percent will do. <laughs> Minus fourteen, yeah. in twenty-six minutes. Yeah, man, hell of a job on that. What was the if if I can ask, what was the plan to shut him down? Was it just size on him as much as possible? Yeah, it was it was it was interesting because we obviously we have one of the bigger ones uh, around in Frank Young, so he could just uh, we just put him and and Matthias Bellers on the side of Jean Stair and and made sure he got rid of the ball or had a very very tough look. Um, and Frank did a great job, and and Matthias actually did a really good job as well because like he one of his strengths is defending uh, the paint, but uh, he made a point of of having of making sure to get out to the shooters as well. Like he had a. A very nice steal on uh, Ramonet on the on the perimeter one time, and he made Jean Serre's day uh, very very tough. So, uh, yeah, that was that was good to see. Nice, Bellers get a lot, getting a lot of love here. I like it. Um, obviously, being able to do that on one end of the floor and go seven from twelve on the other end is massive as well. Like being able to be that effective on both sides of the ball is obviously an absolute must for a four or five, but also just. Still worth saying. This is the game that Ari started, he would like us to point out. Ah, yes, yes. We should not forget about that. No, he would not uh, thank us for that uh, if he listens. Um, I don't know if he listens to this. He just asks to come on every so often. Uh, Mendel, do you think Ari's English would hold up to an R on a podcast? I think it would. Yes, I think about this point it definitely would. Nice. Oh, yeah, because he's also he's over there in Durangan and probably just speaking English all the time. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, I don't know. I don't know that much more about the story of this game, to be honest. Um, we were ahead by a, by a little bit at halftime, and then the last quarter was just was a draw. Um, so I, I didn't really feel that tense to me, like it, it, like you said, maybe when you were playing us, like it was a seven point game, but it felt like more. Um, sure. I wasn't that worried uh, that we were going to lose this just because we had John Sarah locked up quite well. Um, yeah, like I don't know, you guys were up twelve at one point, like that was about it. But there's probably that's in that weird dangerous zone where you're like, can we keep it at twelve or push it out? Or if not, we're gonna just be kind of nervous the whole way. But yeah, yeah, you managed to get it done. Definitely. Cool. All right, and then what I would think was the big one. Yes, for sure. Sixty nine GB fifty nine. So, from my point of view, story of this is obviously Pincho went nuts, um, and the four three big threes and. Pablo Lavandera lineup just we couldn't stop it. We didn't have the size, obviously, leaving guys like um well, we left two four and a halfs and a four back home, but leaving a guy like Lee Manning at home for a tournament obviously reduces your ability to impact big teams yeah. on the defensive end of the floor. I don't think that's a surprise. But mm. obviously, even like a guy like Phil as well, like he's big three, but he's gigantic. I kind of forget that until I'm in the same room with Phil on like the same basketball court. I'm like, oh, that's that's another big dude. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so their size, we were kind of there, thereabouts. I think we were up for 35-ish minutes. And then the last quarter was 21-8. Obviously, you've got fouls at the end of that game, which push it out a little bit. But like they shot 13 free throws. I don't know what percentage of those were before the end of the game but they shot 85 percent, which is just nuts um yeah unbelievable but you guys shot 72 as well 72 percent free throws yeah, 13 from that's 18, like so that's not 72 percent is like normal good i feel like 85 is 85 is a lot um but yeah no they they shot the ball really well but we were doing pretty well i thought but they're at one point they're three they're four big lineup just got men out every time and yeah. definitely don't have the size the size to deal with that when you're a man down as well. No. Pincho making enough from the outside that we were kind of obligated to jump in. And I think on the other side of the floor, I think people talk about defending size, but playing against size is so difficult if you're not also gigantic. Like you'd so, you know, like teams can extend onto the perimeter and, they can obviously shut down everything in the charge circle and out, but like mm-hmm. it, I think the effect that it has on chasing perimeter scores around is under sort of appreciated as well because a guy like Oscar and yeah. Rubio can just sit on Greg's footplate for however long he played, um, 20 minutes exactly, um, and not be too worried because you've got four absolute or at his point, three giants behind him. So well, that's that's very re- relevant indeed. Uh, like I remember playing when we were playing like Madrid with Gran Canaria back in the day as well. Like you just gotta you gotta adjust your your plan a little bit. You just gotta set up everything a little bit wider to to literally make up for the extra space that they're covering by being huge. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, even their like yo-yos, their L-shaped defense without jumping can be super extended as well. Like you can sort of, unless the screen's right in the edge of the key and the shooter's just about inside the three-point line, they can kind of bother you. So you either need to, you need to adjust at some point in in that. And man, we gave it a good go. But yeah, yeah, super proud of what we did with our sort of uh, uh, like semi-B team. Some young guys who'd never played for GB before played big minutes and yeah fair play to spain pincho and co took it off us um definitely pincho went no it would have been super cool with this young squad you guys would have uh would have just been unbeaten at this tournament that would have been quite special um but it probably makes sense that the spanish team um obviously the, the the spanish team didn't play great a year ago in madrid but uh in theory they should still be really really good especially uh now that pincho is, is taking the next step yes yeah i think that's the thing like when we talk about pincho last year versus pincho now like he was kind of thrown into playing some of asier's minutes in the three bigs in a one lineup and it kind of looked a bit like he was thrown into it because uh, obviously like new coach at that time, like that was when they just changed coaches post Tokyo and maybe they hadn't had any camp time to work on it. But now it feels like he was like comfortable in that role. I don't know what sort of configurations he plays in in college, obviously, but yeah, um, I think that was the real sort of litmus test and he passed. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, moving on. We'll not talk about this one a lot. GB 83, Poland 47. So we started this game, felt like they couldn't miss. Fifi hit his first three and then didn't score another three for the rest of the game. Uh, he only played 17 and a half minutes because we at one point put a press lineup on and took the game away. And I think yeah. he was like, all right, this is done. Second half, I mean, second quarter was 18-8. And then they started rotating. And so did we. So, yeah, that's uh, a awesome story. Yeah. Tyler Baines got, I think, his first international basket, uh, which is cool. He might have scored that's in one exciting. of the previous games. I don't remember. Shout out to Tyler. Uh, it felt like at one point down the end of the game, we were just feeding it, like just feeding everything we could inside to him. Just for fun. <laughs> but yeah, very little to talk about in this. Should we move on to you guys' yes. last big one? All right. Let's so do that. Let's do that. And then we can um, shift on to any just weird stuff. All right. So Spain, 54. Netherlands, 51. So Mendel, this was your second mad circus shot of the weekend. Um, you hit a big one down the stretch to <laughs> make the game close. And then you had a three to tie it. Um, but that, that's a tough look. I was like, oh, is he going to do this again? But nah. That would have been uh, freaking amazing because, like, I I didn't think we would get that good of a, get that good of a look at the end of the game. Um, like, they had two free throws and we were two points down, I believe. Um, Amadou was shooting. He hit the first one. So they were three points up, missed the second one. Uh, I pretty sh- I think I, I grabbed forward past the Quinton. Quinton hit Robin at the half court. And then Robin had like a handoff to me. I could just evade one, one defender. I think Pablo Zerzuela. And then like, obviously I am not a great three, uh, three point shooter at all, but I had like a pretty clean look for three. And I just, yeah, I was kind of surprised that 
it was there for you, but yeah, that was I. <laughs> Maybe that's the issue. Maybe you're like, oh, oh god, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think at that point, you know, if it's in your hands and you're one of the guys that the sort of physical ability to get there, you're like, all right, this might have to go at that point, which helps. But oh, for sure. Like I'm, I'm always prepared to take it. Like, like uh, I don't shoot threes um, at all usually. Um, but that is also like I, I can I can shoot them I can I can reach um, so sometimes that makes you the guy that will be open because they won't that they're defending the actual three point shooters so yeah I can reach is a great way to describe it like when people are like can you shoot threes you're like yeah I can I can throw the ball that far like it doesn't it doesn't go in the it doesn't go in the hoop most of the time but yeah it reaches well credit goes to you James that's the first practice I had with you and I asked you if you could shoot threes and you taught me this race so oh I didn't know that. Me being like, that's yep. hilarious. Where did you hear that? Me? Great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's that's the last thing I needed. Um, so you were <laughs> plus nine in a game. You guys lost by three. Um, I'm not going to be too specific about this stuff, but you guys kind of rotated to some lineups that didn't work. And I don't know, you had some timeouts that... Uh, one thing that I remarked to you is you guys came out of a timeout down the stretch of a close game and barely got a shot off. Um, is that something that you think going forward, you guys like, I'm trying to think the best way to just describe this, like, oh yeah, do you, do you think going forward, something that will help you guys is like figuring out which lineups work against which configurations or is it like, do you guys need more work on, okay, we need a three pointer. It's this lineup or we're being killed by this. It's this lineup or, at that point, you just have to have your best guys on the floor. Yeah, so that's that's uh, that's comes a little bit back to what we spoke about before, where we just had some uh, predetermined lineups that we were going to run in some quarters. Um, so uh, we were we were at peace that, with the fact that some things might not work immediately or or at all. Um, and then that play you, you, that you mentioned after the timeout, I like I I couldn't really remember when you asked me the first time, but. Uh, it was just like we were trying to get a, a a chance, a look for a three, and then set a high pick, and we just completely missed the pick for like four seconds, five seconds. Like <laughs> we just couldn't stop, like Pablo La Manera, <laughs> of uh, uh, like we just couldn't stop his chair. So yeah. fair um, enough. Yeah, there was a play. It was just like execution was was bad, and I think oh. that is one of my main main takeaways uh, of this of this week weekend that like just execution. In, like execution matters in every play and it matters even more at the end of the game and uh that just ma- means that you have to like be super accountable at all times to be like do what you were supposed to do and and uh, that's that's an obvious lesson but a valuable sure all right and that was the end of the tournament um the sort of stuff that we had down here is probably um we've gone through a lot of it already Uh so and i'm very conscious that we're probably taking more time than we thought due to technical difficulties um anyone listening to this hopefully my editing will have been so smooth that you just won't don't jinx it james now you're disappearing again oh god right uh okay random (laughs) random questions uh is it useful to practice half court shots mendel um well we have a group of, of, of a group of my teammates practices practices them quite a bunch, uh, and I do not join that. So uh, I would say no because I made <laughs> it and I don't practice them. <laughs> That's amazing. Being like I'm the only one that hit one. You guys are all scrubs is great. Yes. Um, 
that's amazing. I remember Harry shooting them all the time. Uh, like he'd finish yes. shooting practices with them. Um, I still maintain I am unbelievable at hitting the rim and not scoring half court shots. Like I can nearly score a half court shot anytime I want, but that is the least useful skill in the world. <laughs> um, um, also, more seriously, like, um, I'll, like if you'd be really, I wonder how good you have to be at it for be for it to be an actually valuable skill, like. Um, like I saw, I saw the video of Patrick Anderson hitting one like right-handed baseball pass, left-handed baseball pass, like hook shots, like hitting all, like it looked very casual. And like, well, yeah, if you can hit, like, I don't know how much time it took to record that, obviously, but um, I cannot hit it. I could not hit a left-handed baseball pass half court shot to save my life. Um, yeah, just never. So, like it would bounce on the free throw line if I tried one. Yes. Um. So. Like I don't, I don't think it is. It is useful. I think I don't think I. I don't think if, I think there's always something more useful to work on. Probably like, and it doesn't mean like if if, if you just enjoy it and do it for fun. Like I'm not trying to shame my teammates who do it. Uh, that's not the point of this. But um, I don't think it's it's technically an efficient use of your time. If, yeah. if, if that's the question. Yeah, sure. I think there's a thing of like, hey, you lost a game by three. Uh, did you miss? Did your full team miss more than three free throws? Yes. All right. Um, how could we use our time? Like, I'm I'm just picking a thing. Like, mm. all right, you lost a close game. There are probably marginal gains in places that aren't the halfway line to be gained with the time yeah. that you have. Like, but yeah, also like the Pat Anderson stuff is all just like party trick stuff, and it's very cool. Um, but he also wouldn't bring much. He's like hit them like, but right-handed in real games. Yeah, but once again, he—I doubt he spends any real time on that stuff. Probably. All right. Uh, next bit um, that you mentioned to me, and I would agree, there's a weirdly high amount of no calls for like blocks and charges and people on the floor in the key and. People on the floor in the key is the one that gets me because that is like a hey if this happens you have to stop you have to stop the game full stop uh, next line. Um, I put in brackets refs aren't good. Uh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> that, that's that's slightly reductive. I think refereeing the game of wheelchair basketball has gotten really difficult, and I think the game has sped up quicker than the refereeing has, and the game's advanced quicker than refereeing has advanced. Um, Mm-hmm. I think it really shows, and I think it shows more every year, which is disappointing. But it's not an individual ref's fault. Like a ref doesn't go up, doesn't go out to mess it up. No, I've also heard one of the refs explain to one of the coaches at the tournament that they were also um, like trying things out and and in prep for for big for other things, so they were not on top of their game per se. Um, uh, I don't know exactly what that means for refing, uh, but I can imagine uh, that that would like maybe they're trying to emphasize different things than that will, and or or trying to. No, I don't know, but I can imagine. I I could see that uh, making a difference in in how we perceive the the things being called. Yeah, I also we had a referee at one point on the Sunday morning game against Poland. Be like, hey, it's it's early. I might have gotten that wrong. You're right. Like I don't know. <laughs> Like we were just like, hey, Rafi, and he was like, yeah, maybe. Like it's Sunday morning, I might have been wrong. I'm not sure, but called it. Good point. <laughs> Which I kind of, some like if it was against me in an important game, I would be like, ah, shut up. But 
I don't know. I was like, yeah, I respect it because that is the truth of it. Like we've spoken about guys having unbelievable games where they shoot 60%. Like refs get more than that. Correct. And we don't, and, and we hate it, but yes, I don't know. There, there are different bars. I understand, but I, yeah, I think refereeing is very difficult, but I also do think there are some very basic things that they're, they're kind of behind on at this point. And as I say, the stuff that's absolutely black and white that they just don't referee for whatever reason kind of annoys me. Like someone on the floor in the key is a whistle 100% of the time and they've just ignored it. But yeah. All right. The All-Star 5. Uh, would you change anything? So just to remind everyone, the All-Star 5 was Matchek, Greg, Robin, uh, Pincho, and Filipski, correct? So that's 4-4, four, 3-2.5. Four, um, um, four, four, three, two, one and a half. Right? Yes, yes. I think that is correct. Um, yeah. So that's that's over points for a start, which is funny, but they don't care. They've had a 16 or a 17 point. Uh, they had an 18 point one once, and they've also gone to 12 and a half at the Europeans, which is... Is, it, uh, is it on point if, uh, if Pincho still get his, gets his youth reduction in Spain? Well, he doesn't, but uh, it's uh, it's under if he does. You don't get a reduction in internationals. Um, no, you don't. No. Um, the thing I would think about is like, I've had messages being like, what do you slash Kyle need to do to get into an all-star team? Um, yeah, because yeah, Kyle played amazing. Um, I think like it was really fun to see, especially like now with the, the Spanish league, him not uh, seeing that much uh, minutes, that, that many minutes. Um, so it was very, I was happy to see him ball ball out like he can uh, this weekend. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it would be super easy to pick Greg or Kyle, but just, just because of like a, uh, what's the word? Just because of the history, I would now like I would definitely have voted for Kyle instead of Greg for for once. Like I think Greg has a, has a couple of all stars now, a couple of years and last couple of years, and Kyle as was one of the obvious uh, ones missing out on the all stars last year in Champions Cup. So yeah, I would say Kyle Kyle should be on this one. Sure. Um. Yeah. Like when Greg got it, I literally like I shook his hand and then asked him if he just throws them out immediately or like leaves them <laughs> for a month first. <laughs> Um, he must have a lot. Like he's probably like propping doors open with them at this point. But um, yeah, like I, I don't want to suggest all star fives and have them be instead of other people, but Kyle was certainly there thereabouts, and I would have said Alejandro would have been in with the shout in that three point spot as well. Yeah. But I'm not taking away from anyone because I would never take away from any of your teammates with you here. Um, I would only do it off air, uh, not to your face. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, obviously you could have been there thereabouts as well. But I kind of uh, I, I like the way they did it now. I think um, I think I looked at the top scoring for this tournament, and I think uh, average per game, uh, Pincho is highest. I'm second, and Flipsky is third. Like Pincho's like twenty two. I'm twenty point eight or something, and and Fifi I think was nineteen. Um, but then Fifi is also top two in assists. Yeah, that makes um, a difference. And they came third. Which, yeah, and they came third. So which like, might I, I don't matter. have any problem with with Filipski and uh, and uh, and Pincho being there. Sure. Um, all right. Cool. Uh, let's get to some listener questions, Mendel. Let's see if the Ooh. internet will hold up for the listener questions. We have quite a lot because 
you're quite a popular man with the bench units um, fans. Uh, well, let's make it fans. quick. Yeah, let's bang them out. All right, let's do this. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Making it quick, you say? All right, one second. I'm not in that much hurry. Do you think you won the best mustache in Madrid award? Oh, no, definitely not, because there was my team manager. Um, but yeah. if you're talking players... Um, yeah, I think so. I don't my, think I in my team, I, I claim that title. Yes. I would think so. Sorry, Quentin. Um, I also cheated because I didn't start going in in November, so yeah. uh, I don't know if that makes a difference. And I, don't, I haven't rated any other mustaches in other teams so but yeah i'll take it uh cool um next question any tips for hitting ridiculous shots or chucks well so maybe don't practice them um <laughs> nice i like it uh next question is from finn tonner and it's do you miss him yes i definitely miss finn we've had a we've had a, a very nice year last year uh and sharing the love for the game uh so uh it's 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 uh always nice to be able to do that sometimes when we when we uh when we get in touch again so uh yeah Finn, miss you all right uh two questions from two of your teammates asking why you don't ever get all star fives and how does it feel to get snubbed uh if you want to address any of that at all it is mostly funny. Like the the funniest one was in Sassari last year when like I had a couple teammates just like filming me because they thought like the last the last one was gonna go to me and then it didn't and it was just funny. Uh, <laughs> I want to see that video. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, yes. fair enough. Um, all right. How was it being a part of that Grand Canaria team? Ooh, that was that. That is a uh, we can make a whole podcast about this and it won't be all about basketball. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. It was uh, it was really special to be like matching that well on the court with a couple of people, and then also matching that well off court with a bunch of people. Like it's that's that was a really special time in my life. Yeah. Nice. Um, next question coming off of Madrid. What do you think the Dutch team needs to improve on most? Um. Yeah, I think I'm gonna say like what what I what I touched upon earlier, uh, execution and accountability. Yeah. Cool. How does it feel to be the main man for the Dutch team? Um, oh, that's a that's a complex question, I think. But the simple answer is nice. Like I, I like to contribute to to the process to to help my team win to, uh, yeah, to improve as a team. Uh, I think that's that's a very fun uh, place to be, and a very fun activity to take part of, part to, to take part in. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Sure. Uh, do you miss playing professionally on a team that practices full time? Uh, not yet. I have to say, um, I'm very busy studying at the moment, and when I'm not busy studying and not playing basketball, I'm very busy having good old times with my friends and family, which is lovely. Um, so no, not yet. Cool. Uh, do you see yourself going to a full-time professional team once you're done with school? Uh, depends. Um, uh, I, I think if we, if we, uh, are, if we are going to be, if we qualify for Paris, uh, there's definitely a chance I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, look into playing full-time again. 
Um, if not, I don't think anytime soon is is I'm gonna I'll be playing full time again. Cool. Um, if you could import a player from any other national team into the Dutch team, who would it be? Ooh. Um, I once joked about Bandura being a better Quinton, but that doesn't work internationally. Um, also, Quinton's great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I said I said that joke. Yeah, um, I'll take you, James. We oh, that's, that's uh, fun. Yeah, you guys needed two. Yeah, twos are twos are twos are. So it doesn't uh, need to be a something two. We that, don't like, have a lot of. It doesn't need to be a two that like doesn't play for their national team. Like you can have Greg if you want. <laughs> no, this. but this is a thought that Adi and I have. Like we have we have spoken about this before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. James would be a a very fun addition to our team. That'd be fun. I'd have a nice time. And the last question, which I actually remembered, someone asked me over the weekend: Why are you a four? Are you not a double below the knee amputee? <laughs> oh, that's an interesting question. That actually, uh, we could. There's there something came up over the weekend that made me wonder this. Uh, but we will. I'll, I'll keep it a little bit shorter. Um, the reason is that I'm not strapped below the knee, so oh. there's I I cannot put any force, uh, like from the point where where my like where my where my knee starts. So I cannot make a standing motion. I can like it's literally impossible for me to lift just because my whole upper leg is like my whole femur is just strapped to my to my seat and my knee is and, and anything below my knee is not strapped at all. Cool. So if I would do that, I would uh if I would like make my chair like for example Patrick Anderson's, I would indeed be a four point five. Um, all right. and the interesting change is that Pincho has a different chair now where he has a full bucket and I don't know what that would do to his classification but also his his legs are different from mine he doesn't have any full knees I don't think so I don't know how that what that means exactly but uh, it's an interesting question sure all right um last question from me to you who gets the belt Oh snap! I took, completely forgot to think about this. Um, it's all right. Is it Pincho? I, Are we overthinking? Yeah, it's just gonna give it to anyone else. No, it's gonna be Pincho. They oh. won a tournament. He was their most important player. Uh, yeah, he played very well. All right, Pincho cool. gets the belt. Pincho gets the belt. Congrats! Uh, all right, thanks, Mendel. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for being here. Thanks for filling in for Mark, and thanks everyone for listening. Hope this was Looking all forward. right. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Mark being back. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. And yeah, uh, this will be out in a couple of days and we'll be back next week. I say we, I will be. And God knows he'll be with me. Hopefully I'm not on my own. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. <laughs>